0: You're listening to the Running Around Charlotte podcast, presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events, with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more or register at runcharlotte.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners. And here are your hosts for the Running Around Charlotte podcast, Tim Rhodes and D.C. Lucchese.
1: In a traditional world, it's drilled into our heads that good nutrition is a balance of all food groups, which includes protein, most often lean meats. Nothing against a good piece of grilled chicken, but our next guest on the Running Around Charlotte podcast says you don't need to eat chicken anymore or even eat meat at all. Matt Frazier is the author of No Meat Athlete, and his blogs and books chronicle the basics of being an athlete on a vegan diet. Namely, it can be done. In fact, Matt says your performance will not only not suffer, it will be much better. He's perfecting his diet every day and as an athlete and as a dad. He joins us now. Welcome, Matt. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Good to be here. Excellent. Uh, DC Lucchese, how you doing, my friend?
0: Great. Motivated and caffeinated, man.
1: I love it. Matt, I know a lot of runners will be interested in what you have to say. So tell us, let's start with just the basic, what, what is a truly vegan diet? And we know it's more than just skipping meat and dairy. What do you tell people when you explain uh, what the no meat athlete is?
2: Sure. Well, it's, uh, I mean, a vegan diet, what that is, is not really complicated. That's, that's just a diet that is free of animal products. Usually when people use the word vegan, they are talking about uh, a lifestyle as well so somebody who says they're vegan you know will also not use animal stuff like they'll typically buy uh running shoes that aren't don't have leather with, which most running shoes these days don't have um, but often they'll go to lengths to make sure there's no animal used in the glue and things like that um so but you know recently the plant-based diet is kind of the more popular term and I think it's because it's more inclusive uh it can kind of be what you want it to be for some people that means the same as vegan just without the lifestyle component it just means a vegan diet uh for some people it, it implies a diet that is mostly vegan or mostly mostly plants but really focused on health whereas a vegan diet a strict vegan diet can still be really unhealthy you could eat all kinds of vegan junk food if you want to uh, and still be vegan but plant-based generally comes with this idea that it is a, a you know focused on health uh and i think that's that's the reason why it's kind of that term has gotten popular recently and uh and why we're seeing a lot of athletes you know turn to it because it's it's the health side of it it's not so much the the ethical side that is that's what's uh Know, boosting performances
1: so right. w- just start with uh maybe a couple of the benefits of a of a non-meat diet let's stick with <laughs> a, the 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 plant-based diet excuse me Let, let's start with well, that w- talk about some of the benefits go ahead dc
0: well you know the first one the first one tim is of course that uh that a plant-based person an athlete or a regular person on a plant-based diet will generally you know not proselytize uh, and keep it to themselves and a vegan is like a crossfitter is they'll tell you about it all the time <laughs> in, it, in many, many ways that that is true. <laughs> in
2: many ways that is true i i try hard not to be the uh the proselytizing <laughs> vegan but uh i guess sometimes it comes out but yeah i, I think it's important well, i, like, wrote I like, a book, like to try so. to <laughs> <laughs> i know and so people are always surprised when i don't try to push it on them I'm kind of like I like to provide the tools and if you're interested then you know here it is but I really I was always so averse to that kind of messaging like the the ethical sort of like you you should be doing this or you're wrong for not doing this and that that probably kept me from this diet actually longer than than I otherwise would have would have it just took me longer to get to it because I thought you had to be like joining this cult if you were going to do it uh and so that I think it was really important to me from the beginning to like not be that and kind of be the opposite to be someone who's like you know the chill cool vegan who's like you know <laughs> is enjoying the benefits being a good example but not trying to right. push it on anybody um so anyway you asked about benefits for me and and it turned out like i was surprised because I, when i went vegan or vegetarian the first time um i wasn't expecting any performance benefits it was it was for for ethical reasons a personal choice uh mm-hmm. i had been trying to qualify for the boston marathon and was I had taken 90 minutes off my first marathon time, or maybe 93 minutes, and I was a 10 minutes shy of getting in. Back then, it was a 3:10. I had run my first marathon was 4:52, and I finally decided I was going to go vegetarian. And when I did, I didn't expect it to be a good thing. I thought I, I didn't know what, what it was going to do, and I couldn't find any information about it. This was 2009, um, so I just that's when I started my website. And then the great surprise to me was that six months after that, I took those final 10 minutes off my time qualified qualify for Boston, and the way that happened was that the summer of training in that the six months, you know, kind of covered, it was the best six months I'd ever had of training. And largely that was because I didn't get injured. I did the same types of runs I'd always been trying to do, uh, you know, the, the speed workout, the tempo run, the long run, and at these paces that w- were required to get to Boston. Uh, and I just didn't get injured. Whereas in the past, I'd been trying the same things, but at two months in, the injury would always creep up and then I'd be out and set back and all that. So that was the case for me. And then, uh, as I've you know started my website and got to interview a lot of top athletes who, who choose this diet for performance, nearly every single one, including those in the book, uh, they cite recovery as their, as the benefit. They say they recover faster with this diet, uh, that goes for runners. It goes for mixed martial arts fighters. It goes for power lifters. Uh, you know, and those are not typically the, they, they weren't the, the people who we were kind of associating with plant-based diets. It's kind right. of been around the endurance community for a while, but more recently, it's been these, these strength and speed sports, uh, where, where they're citing faster recovery. So recovery is definitely the big one. Um, you know, there are some other things like, like you know, it can, it can lower your blood viscosity, um, dilate your blood vessels some. There, there are theoretical ways in which a plant-based diet could, can certainly help you. But recovery, you know, by and large is the one that everyone cites. And that's probably because of the, the high anti-inflammatory com, you know, content of a plant-based diet compared to a relatively high pro-inflammatory content of animal-based foods. So, um, you know, that, that whole having more in, antioxidants in your diet, not just when you try it, like you can, you can get those things from, from eating extra, you know, whatever turmeric, ginger. you can go for the anti-inflammatory foods, tart cherry juice is a great one. Um, but it just, if you are just eating whole fruits and vegetables and kind of basing your diet on that and grains and nuts and seeds and beans, you're kind of just flooding your system with anti-inflammatory compounds. So that, that is probably the reason, uh, a lot of nutrients in, in a relatively small number of calories by comparison to a plant based, to an animal based diet. Um, so those are some of the reasons, you know, this is, there are articles about this. This is kind of theory. This is not yet like proven. We're starting to see some data about athletes and recovery and and things like that. Um, but those are, those are the kind of the mechanisms by which most people kind of agree that it it probably operates.
0: Now you're talking about blood viscosity, as we discussed before, I think, before we began recording that, you know, I mean, Tim's from Wisconsin. So I think his blood is actually cheese. Um, so there, there is some viscosity there. Um, but 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 in all seriousness, though, uh, I I think one of the things that 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 makes this book most appealing, uh, at least to me anyway, and you can tell me if you think the same thing, is that it was not done by uh, you know a lifelong you know RD or or somebody who's got all this nutritional science background. It's a guy who did it himself and did it by talking to basically crowdsourced the darn thing, if you will, and said, hey, you know, I'm mathing this out, (laughs) and then here's what I'm finding, and then I experimented on myself as well, and I think it makes it very approachable. Do you think that's, I mean, because this is not the first book written, obviously, about, you know, non meated diets, uh, but, you know, certainly one that, you know, I think has been incredibly well-received already, and to what do you attribute the Fast popping success on this thing.
2: I think it's mostly what you said—that the crowdsourced element of it. Uh, like you said, there had been, you know, over the past decade, there have been a, a couple dozen books by people who are who were really top vegan athletes, or people like me who were kind of recreational, just you right. know, people who got the best out of their own performance um, right. at at this you know recreational level. That had that had happened, and I had written you know two of those books. My co-author had written three of those books, so that was out there the the sort of like this worked for me here's my approach here's what i did but no one had yet looked at like a lot of athletes outside of themselves other athletes eat. so like even when scott Jurek, one of the greatest ultra runners right. of all time writes a book that's incredible and for me like to find that was was awesome in 2012 because i was mm-hmm. an aspiring vegan ultra runner so it was so cool to read scott Jurek's account but like that's only going to resonate with someone who's interested in what scott Jurek is doing um and it's also you know it, it's sort of it's easy to to ask about that. Yeah, it worked for him, but did it work for him? Like, because he's Scott Jurek, like, would it have worked? Would any diet right. have worked for him? So when we start looking at mm-hmm. a lot more people, and we interviewed sixty athletes for this book, and there are many more than that who are who are choosing plant based diets, really at the top of their their sports, um, and and thirty of them had you know fairly long stories get into the book. Uh, Twenty five of them did their day in the lives at the end of the book, where they just yeah. tell you what they ate start to finish, and then a bunch of them contributed recipes as well. Um, which i love because like i said with with Scott Jurick's book when i was able to get my hands on his actual recipes i was like this is great now i now i know exactly what to do um so to get that from different athletes who are who are olympians and pros and elites it's it, that's really cool and so i think that's what it is i think having that many athletes involved uh and very good ones and we're at a time now when it's it's not totally shocking for people to hear that that you know someone like Novak Djokovic, best tennis player in the world for the past mm-hmm. decade, that he's 100% vegan. Uh, people know about Tom Brady being someone who's not vegan but eats a plant centered diet. He talks about that all the time. Uh, right. His diet is mostly plants. So like you know it's evolving and people are, are starting to getting the sense that that there is something to this. So I think this mm-hmm. book wasn't like a total shock when people see it. They're like, oh yeah, I've been hearing about that, and and that's probably why it was has been successful. I think.
0: Yeah, that and the fact that you know, I mean, I think coming from that every man or woman's perspective, I mean, literally as you as you discussed, uh, if you have not seen the book yet, uh, the book is the plant-based athlete, uh, game-changing approach to peak performance. And I think you're right; that recovery piece is huge, especially as you get as old as I am and (laughs) you start thinking about, man, I got to pay a little more attention to that. You know, when you do think about, you know, the after and the you know getting ready for the next run or ride or whatever it is. And you're able to put those pieces and parts together based on the experience of all these other people. I mean, literally, Tim, you've got to take a look at this. I'm not even kidding. It's everything from, you know, like you said, MMA fighters to ultra runners to tennis players to, uh, to, uh, to swimsuit models. I mean, there is, I mean, it, it runs the gamut. You can find yourself in this dadgum book. I feel like I'm selling the darn thing,
1: (laughs) but but it really is. (laughs) Exactly,
0: but it really is. It really, you really can't find yourself through it. And I think that's the the point that Matt was making. It's not just, you know, a guy or a gals, you know, here's how I did it thing. It's how a lot of people are doing. So you can see yourself figuring it out, which is a very long run up to if we got a Wisconsin cheese guy who is, you know, you know, probably not going to jump on the bandwagon or even come to the parade where the bandwagon will be, what is something that you would say hey look man i'm not trying to sell you but here is one thing you could try or one thing you could implement or whatever to say dabble and see how it works out for you
2: yeah great question and uh what what i love about it is that like i kind of said i'm not out to like change people or get people to become vegan uh what i think the power is is in just getting people to eat more plants and getting people to say hey i can i can have a larger proportion of my diet dedicated to plants, which almost everybody agrees that they would do better with. No matter what diet you're talking about, paleo, keto, it, it's very hard to find someone who says if I ate more plants in my diet, I'd I'd be worse off. Uh, so, you know, so like that. That's kind of where I think you should start. And honestly, like for me, like going 100% vegan was never the goal in the early days. I just I, and I remember when I first started, uh, I just didn't want to eat four-legged animals. That was my thing. I said I gotta still get my protein, so I'm gonna keep eating. Uh, the chicken and the fish, but I'm just going to stop eating four-legged animals. And that, you know, that worked and it was fine. And for a year, and then I was like, wow, I, I feel good. And I like this, I'm going to go a little bit further and I'm going to have just fish. And then after that was going great, I said, okay, I, I can go all the way to vegetarian. And then from there to vegan. So like, I don't think you need to set out with the goal of like, I want to be hundred percent plant-based. I certainly don't recommend switching it overnight and saying tomorrow I begin being hundred percent plant-based because that, that almost never lasts. Uh, there are some stories here and there about where it does, but Um, it's just too big of a shift in so many aspects of your life and and physically for your body that when people do that, they get inspired by a documentary or something, and then they decide they're going to be vegan. It just, it just almost never actually lasts more than a few weeks. So I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of kind of starting where you are. Um, you know, I think like, I would say start with breakfast. It's just, it's just kind of an easy meal that is easy to make plant-based. And in fact, a lot of people can, can get behind the idea of eating plant-based during the day and then. At dinner time, they still eat whatever, whatever they want. And, and, you know, that's just, it's just something that feels like, I don't know, somehow the the daytime meals, uh, we're not so culturally conditioned that they like have to have meat in them to be a meal where where we do have that a lot of us for, for dinner time. So, um, I tell people like start, start by having a smoothie in the morning or just have some fruit or just have some oatmeal and Mm -hmm. just, just begin there. And so then you're not eating animal products until say noon when you have lunch um and really rather than like not having animal products again that's not really the point the point is get lots and lots of fresh fruits and vegetables and and nuts and seeds and things like that and grains like that's what i would think about in the mornings as i'm making this smoothie and this oatmeal. is just how many great anti-inflammatory and and otherwise good foods i'm getting into my body Um, so i would just begin there you know there's lots of other strategies you can you can add a salad before every big dinner uh, which not a bad step to do if, if you're just not getting those vegetables on the plate. Uh, there are things like, you know, yeah. you can, you can change the proportion of your plate. If you eat like say beef and broccoli, start eating broccoli with a little bit of beef, um, and just sort of changing the proportions of the way you view meals, which is hard to do. Like we're, we're so used to thinking of that meat is the center of our plate and that should be you know probably 50 or 60 or 70% of the actual calories and the, the fullness on the plate. Um, But if you look around at the populations that live the longest, like the blue zones populations in the world where these pockets around the world, I think there's five of them that produce Mm -hmm. the most number of people who live to hundred, almost all those eat some amount of meat. One of them doesn't, but, but most of them do. And they eat it more as like a condiment. It's like this, it's this side dish, but, but their whole meal is so often based on some kind of vegetable that's, that's cooked or or potatoes or beans or things that are, you know, that are not animal based, but still provide tons of, of satiety and they make you feel full and they're, they're good and of course lots of nutrients as well. So uh yeah I, I really think I'm a huge fan of just like the the start small way um and and my favorite way to do it is is smoothie is it, or the morning just cuz I think we can we can really easily imagine getting away from meat in the mornings but but for some people dinner time is a little harder.
1: So I I've gone through um <clears throat> periods in in my life where I've um fasted for Uh, periods of time, you know, typically, and it's more, for me, it's more spiritual and I um, kind of reason and I, you know, try to focus on fruits and vegetables and, and the thing that is really the hardest, and I guess it's kind of the point of it is (laughs) for a, a spiritual fast is, you know, it, it, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm hungry a lot. And so I think if you said, Hey, it's, it's something that I want to challenge you to. And I know you're not a proselytizer when it comes to this, but Hey Tim, I want to challenge you to to try it and see how long. And I'd be like, you know, sooner or later I'm going to give out cause I, I get hungry. How do you stay not hungry all the time? Or is it kind of like, well, I am kind of hungry all the time, but I, I graze instead of eat three squares. I just kind of graze along as the day <clears throat> goes by.
2: Yeah. So that's a really, really important question. And the answer to me is there there are a couple of aspects. One is that I mean when you just go on a fast, you're that's that's a drastic immediate change to your diet. Uh, you know, your stomach will actually shrink or grow depending on how much food you tend to be giving it. So if you're if you gradually, you know, over the reduce your calories by, you know, five percent, and then the next week you reduce by five percent more and you gradually lessen the amount of calories, your stomach will actually shrink to the point that you need less food to feel hungry. Um, now hopefully you're getting roughly the same amount of calories if you're not trying to lose weight, cause otherwise you will lose weight. Um, and so as you get to eating fewer calories, if, if that is what you're doing, um, you know, you, you can, you can, or I should say, as you get to eating less calorically dense foods, you can start to focus on certain ones that actually do provide some calories. So fruits and vegetables don't provide a whole lot of calories per pound, especially vegetables don't meaning you could eat a you know giant salad and you'll be full for the next, hour because you completely full, filled your stomach with food, but very few calories in there. Um, whereas if you, if you eat, you know, a, a whole bunch of peanut butter uh, that's, that would take longer to, to actually fill up because it doesn't pick up a whole lot of space in your stomach uh, and it's packing tons of calories. So like, that's one of the things that a lot of the athletes in our book is they tend to focus on calorically dense plant foods. So not just fruits and vegetables, not just leafy greens and things like that, but, like I've said several times, now the beans, the sweet potatoes, yeah. the nuts and seeds, uh, the avocado, things that are fatty—you know—they'll they'll work that into the diet because mm-hmm. that packs the calories. Because this is a very real problem. Like people go plant-based when they hear that it's a good thing for their for their sports performance, and then they'll come a month later and said, "Well, I tried it; it didn't work because I was just I was didn't have any energy and I was hungry all the time." But then you find out that what they did was they took the meat that was on their plate and they got rid of that, and then they replaced it with you know, some vegetables or maybe a potato and they, you know, lost 25% of their calories in the process from their diet by removing the calorically dense animal products and replacing them Mm -hmm. with, with non calorically dense plant food. So you really need to make choices that, that aren't just replace the meat with, with, you know, something that, like you need to replace those calories, the amount of calories you're losing uh, unless you're trying to lose weight. And then finally, the last thing I would say is like with a plant-based diet, I just find you need to eat more frequently uh, because you're you're getting foods that are very high in nutrients in micronutrition, but not high in calories. So it's going to be tend to be meals that you know you'll you'll feel full for a minute, but then you know an hour later it will be digested, and that's part of the reason like people are choosing this diet for for sports and even during sports. Like Scott Jurek again, he said a long time ago that. Uh, you know, pretty much everyone's nearly vegan when they're, when they're running, because that's the kind of food that, that supports you. And, and, you know, you can burn through fast and use it efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, so the problem is like, if that's what you're eating all your day, then you're also burning through it quickly. So the, rather than try to eat a whole lot and anyone give a meal for me, it's just like eating more frequently is, is the way to just kind of keep, keep yourself satisfied and, and not ever too hungry.
1: So I, I, it, and, and that's great information. Um. I I have one personal question for you. I have been running for 40 plus years. um, And as you can imagine, my knees uh, have pretty much, uh, it's like a good worn out pair of shocks on your car. (laughs) You know, I'm not ready for knee replacement. But, you know, my my point is that I do have arthritis in my knees. And, you know, if there's one thing that keeps me from enjoying running as much as I used to enjoy it is... It hurts to run, and you talk about anti-inflammatory foods. Mm. What are some of those foods that people like me who have arthritis in their knees or just inflammation in different places of their body? what What are the foods that can help alleviate some of that uh, the the pain?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, I, you know a lot of people, first, when they think about that, they they think about getting some fats and and kind of lubricating those joints. Uh, so people will go to the the fish oil or whatever. Uh, and you can totally get that stuff on a plant-based diet, just get it from, from seeds, chia seeds, walnuts, flax seeds, these things pack a lot of, uh, omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, so that's, that's one good thing. But then as far as like the, the really big anti-inflammatory foods, the ones I mentioned earlier, uh, so tart cherry juice is a really great one that has has actually been studied. There, there's some, some real data about how it Mm -hmm. reduces store, reduces soreness and inflammation after a workout. Um, and you can, you know, that, that, to go back to Scott Jurek again, he, he used that like as, as a, when everyone else at mile 60 is starting to pop the ibuprofen in, in, uh, in ultra the vitamin I he's, he's using tar cherry juice and he, he had it even before the race. And that's, you know, the sort of his, his version of that. And it's a, just, you can imagine a much healthier way doesn't cause holes in your stomach and things like that. <laughs> so, um, so tar cherries are a really great one. Uh, ginger turmeric, those, these roots, they are, they're very, very powerful anti-inflammatories um, you know, ginger, these, I mean, sorry, uh, turmeric, most people don't eat the turmeric root. They just get a, get a either term turmeric powder, um, or even turmeric supplements very, very popular these days. And when you combine them with black pepper, it turns out a little bit of black pepper with, with a turmeric supplement. And often black pepper is actually in a supplement. Uh, it'll increase your, like the bioavailability by like 20 times. So a little bit of turmeric with black pepper and also if you eat any Indian curries and things like that, they tend to have black pepper with, with the turmeric anyway, uh just as part of the recipe mm-hmm. so that's a really great one for anti-inflammatory and then like the leafy greens you know nobody wants to hear about leafy greens i know it's it's not exciting uh but i i really think for me this was the big difference like i mentioned when i was in my boston qualifying days uh i had read the the nutrition books chris carmichael's book um eat right to train right or something like that yeah, and that's yeah. From, old coach. and you know so i like from that what i took was I need to eat 65% of my diet from, from carbohydrate. And for me, that was like usually brown rice. I need to get, uh, I think it was 15 or 18, no 15 to 12% from protein. And that was the chicken breast. And then you need the fat, which tends to come also from whatever the meat that I'm having on the plate. Um, but it's so easy to eat that way. And just focus on those macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, fat, Mm -hmm. and just totally ignore the fact that, that vegetables provide all this micronutrition, all these nutrients that are, you know, extremely crucial for, for rebuilding muscles, mm-hmm. uh, and just leave that off your plate. So you can eat a diet, that, but it's like hitting all your, hitting all your macronutrient numbers, but largely missing the, the micronutrients, which that, to me is the good stuff. Like that's, that's these days how I eat is I think about what foods are giving me the most micronutrients. And I don't even think about the protein, carbs, and fat anymore. Uh, it's just, I, it, I think that really is secondary in recovery to making sure that your body has all these, these minerals and vitamins and things that it could possibly need. So, absolutely add the leafy greens in like it just that's what i said if you can just add a salad before your dinner and make it a big giant salad before every dinner uh that's that's just a, a really good way to do it like that's where so much nutrition is those leafy greens and even a lot of people who eat plant-based diets uh tend to go through periods where they forget to eat the greens i mean it's just easy like these days you start traveling or whatever and then that's the first thing that goes is mm-hmm. you just you just you can go to now to burger king and get your impossible whopper uh, and you can eat your whole <laughs> diet that way. But if, you, if you're if you forgetting the fruits
0: and vegetables, it's yeah. kind of, you're not really doing, you know, you're not really doing it. Yeah. Matt, now, now how does this wash? I'm sorry, Tim. I got I to yeah. know, as, as a dad and <laughs> husband and all that, how does this wash? And how do you, and, and you know, Tim has kids as well. It's like, hey, it'd be like going to a restaurant. Nobody is ordering the same thing. How do you satisfy that team? Do they all go, oh my gosh, another salad to start the meal? <laughs> How does this go down at your house, man? How did you sell it there first? Well,
2: I was lucky that my kids were were two years old and and were not yet born when we made these decisions. So it was kind of ah, easy to, okay. to get them into it. Um right. but honestly, the, the way I would do it these days, if I was, if if I had a 10-year-old kid and and I've wanted to change my family's diet this way it'd be the same as i said we're not going to tell the kid hey you can never no longer eat these favorite foods of yours uh that's just not gonna do well uh i would in the beginning use what's. we have this amazing these technology foods now like the impossible whopper and the chicken tenders and all these things that are that are plant substitutes which aren't doing your body any good uh but they can, they can help you get over that hump that says like, wow, like I just can't possibly eat a a plant-based meal. I need to have the meat for this to feel satisfying and like an actual meal. And so you can, especially for kids, you can, you can replicate a lot of the taste that they're looking for with, with these meat alternatives. And then to me, like to get beyond that, it's really a, a conversation about, about, health and where food comes from and all that stuff which is you know it's not that kids can't handle that it's just for a lot of kids it's just not their priority so i think i think it takes a little while i think it takes some time um to to help them understand and be motivated and and watch the documentaries and all those things with them Uh, that that's where i would do it and then i mean there are plenty of great plant-based recipes that are out there i think a lot of people when they hear plant-based diet for some reason people think that they can just sort of construct their own meals uh throw together you know your own burrito bowl or or your i don't know whatever the big salad with beans on top of it and say this is this is what we eat now but like if you put the effort into making a plant-based meal that goes into making a, a meal that has meat in it uh you can make really delicious things like there are a lot of really good foods and some of them will be new but like i never ate thai food or indian food or anything like that before i i ate a plant-based diet but then once i did and this was 2009 like there weren't a lot of other restaurant choices that had a lot of food. So if I was going to go out, I would start going to these ethnic restaurants. And then suddenly it just opened up this whole new world of like flavors and things. So now we yeah. cook a lot of that food at home, which I never did before. And I think it's probably the same with kids. Like at first they're going to not want that sort of different stuff, but, but I think, uh, you get used to it and you do it in small steps and, and one meal is this way. And then the next meal, the next day is back the old way. I don't think, like I said, that you should just go hundred percent overnight. Cause I, I don't think anybody's going to, it's not going to
0: last very well for anybody. Yeah. And for a guy like Tim, uh, you could always take a craft single and use it like one of those nicotine patches to put <laughs> it right here. So, but,
1: hey, uh, stuff. that stuff, <laughs> there is an ounce of cheese in that cheese.
0: That's yeah, right. Cheese that, food, like, I think it is. is
1: it. Awful. <laughs> oh, so, is cheese All right. Really. Get us home, Tim. Get us <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Matt, thank you. Uh, name of the book again, and where can people get it if they're interested in uh, reading more about what you have to say?
2: It's called The Plant Based Athlete. My name is Matt Frazier. Uh, the book is available just about anywhere you'll find books. It's in, it's in Amazon, of course. It's in lots of bookstores, uh, local sure. independent stores, Barnes & Noble. It's in all those places. So uh, check them out. And then, and all my stuff is at nomadathlete.com.
1: Matt, thank you very Thanks. much. Very informative. And uh, I, I, I've gotten a lot out of it. I know many of our listeners have too. And we appreciate it and look forward to having you back again soon. All
2: right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right.
0: right, I'm a man. All right. I right, appreciate it. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novon Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events, with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Registration and more information is available at runcharlotte.com. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is brought to you by Pinnacle Financial Partners and produced in partnership with Well Run Media and Marketing. New episodes are available every week, anywhere you listen to podcasts.